five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Hey, guess what? You are called for a righteous purpose. You are called for a righteous purpose. Do you believe that? If you're a Christian, if that's your identification this morning, if you identify as Christian, you have a calling. If you're not Christian, then we're so happy that you're here. Um, we have a whole other set of things to talk about uh, If you are a Christian, however, you have a calling from God. And guess what? There's a purpose to that calling. It's a righteous purpose. Today we are considering uh, three words, three key words, three key themes. Today, calling, righteousness, and purpose. Today is a, a topical message, which means we have a topic. It's these three words, uh, mixing them together here topical message, which means uh, there's potentially many, many passages we could look at today, many different angles we could potentially explore. Uh, But we are open to a wild and free Holy Spirit that does speak in and through Scripture. And so for today, uh, as we take a look at some Abraham narratives, some, some Abraham and Sarah stories, we'll take a look at prophetic literature we get to take a look at some gospel account. We'll, we'll talk about Jesus, and then we get to talk about us. We'll, we'll consider some, some theology, some Pauline theology today. And it's all in relation to these three words here. Calling, righteousness, and purpose. So let's listen in and see what God wants us to, to know, to believe and understand for our lives, our family our church this morning. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Son of God, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this beautiful congregation. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to engage with our lives right now. Right now in this room, in this house, engage with us through the text. Create in us a clear vision and a purpose For our lives, marriages, our family, our church, and beyond. Give us a divine imagination of who you are, who we are, and what we're supposed to be doing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. To get started, let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, We have a number of passages to to look at today, but we're going to start way back in the first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 12. We're in a strange country, uh, and we meet this pagan, childless couple who's on the older side in in life. Here's the thing. God calls them. God chooses them. He elects them. He picks them. Whatever word you want to use, God calls them, and he says, Hey, Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah, eventually, you're going to be a great nation. I'm calling you to be a big, big family, a big nation. 
And God just brings blessings to them. Blessings that they don't deserve. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be famous. You're going to be such a big blessing that all families of the earth will be blessed through you. All nations of the earth uh, will be blessed through your family. And so God just dumps, speaks words of of grace and calling and blessing all over uh, Abraham and and Sarah. And then in Genesis 12, 4, it's really big. It says, so Abram went. Abram received what what God was was saying to him. And he obeyed. He, He was like, okay. Okay, God. Trust in your word. So Abram went. We don't realize that like so much of the Bible kind of hinges right there. Like Abram went. He said, okay. And he followed the Lord. He, he did what the Lord had told him. As the story goes on, God ends up making a, a covenant with, with Abram. Covenants are a big deal back in that day. Um, there's different types of covenants. We won't explain all of them today, get into that. But essentially, if we boil it down, what you need to know is that you need at least two parties. Two parties come together. There's an agreement. There's an arrangement. And it's kind of a, a source of identity and security. Hey, who I am and what I have, I now give to you. God and Abram are in covenant together. We'll jump to Genesis 15. God takes Abram outside. He says, hey, look at the night sky. Look at all those stars up there. Remember when I said I'm going to make your family really, really big? Well, guess what? Look at all those stars. If you, tr- you know, Try to count them. Your, your family is going to be enormous. And then it says this. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Righteousness. So so listen close. Abram trusted God. He took him at his word. He he believed and God credited it to him. He he counted Abram as being righteous. So what does righteous mean? Okay, it's it's rightness. It's right standing with God. It's it, it can be a relational term. Righteousness is also associated with with justice. Doing the right things. Walking the right paths. If you hang out in the Old Testament, you'll, you'll come across this walking the path vocabulary. So in this ancient nomadic culture, yeah, there's paths to, to walk on in, in the wilderness, in the desert. And you know some of these dangerous areas, hey, if you stay on the path, you'll be okay. To not be on the path, well, that's bad news. You're lost. You're wandering. You're... You're not going the right way. Walk the path. Walk it well. Walk it up right. Abram was considered righteous. And he didn't waver in his unbelief. So God sees this faith. He sees this belief. And he determines. This is a righteous dude right here. (laughs) Righteousness. Belief in God is a prerequisite to righteousness. Let me say that again. Belief in God is a prerequisite to righteousness. Belief, faith, trust, resting in who God is. It yields to a right relationship and and covenant fidelity 
with the God of all creation. So I want to pause there and just have a brief talk about discipleship and evangelism. Sometimes uh, when we're engaging with others, whether it's in discipleship or evangelism or a mixture of, of both, sometimes we want to go after the righteousness versus wickedness types of conversations, and we just want to confront sin and missing the mark head on. Now, there is space for zealous confrontation. There really is. But I think in most discipleship, evangelistic conversations and situations, we need to be careful with having some sort of invisible performance chart in our head where we determine who's right, who's wrong, who's up, who's, who's down. Because what this is solidifying for us right now is, is God is the only one who determines righteousness. God determines righteousness. God is the one who, who defines us. And so if we just sit on Genesis 15, verse 6 here for a little bit, believing in the Lord, belief, faith, shifting from unbelief to belief, believing in the Lord, that's going to lead to right living. We have other words for it, like, like sanctification, transformation, life change. And so in discipleship and evangelism, wouldn't we want to hold conversations that foster belief in God, a God who loves them, who's crazy about them, who adores them, who defines them. Belief nurtures right living. And guess what? Righteousness is also related to purpose and calling. We'll keep moving a, a few pages in your Bible. We'll go to Genesis 18. We see calling and righteousness and purpose. It shows up again and again. God says, Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. So God is repeating himself. He wants he wants everyone to know. For I have chosen him, I've chosen him so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he had promised him. Abraham is chosen. That's calling. And now it's through discipling his kids. To do what is right and just. Okay, this family, family discipleship, that's the project here. This family is going to show the world and each other what righteousness and right living, what justice looks like. This family is going to be great and powerful. All the other nations are going to be blessed through them. That's purpose. Calling, righteousness, and purpose. It's all, all mixed up and on display here. Now, I just want to pause again. We're in Genesis 18 in context. We're right on the, the eve of, of the Sodom and Gomorrah story. So I just want to take a moment and talk about that now. Sodom and Gomorrah, lots of injustice. The outcry is immense. That's the way the Bible puts it. Their sin is extremely serious. God literally wants to sweep these cities off the face of the earth. He wants to like take out the garbage. I just want to sweep the floor here. So Abraham, he has exchanges with, with God. 
he's negotiating negotiating uh, over um, the the fate of these these cities. What is Abraham asking God to look for? It's righteousness, righteousness. Okay. Hey, is there any righteousness in the city? If so, can you spare the city? If there is somebody, if, if there's even like just, just like a group of 10 people, if, if like just some okay, kind of on the path type of people, kind of upright people, will you just bring mercy? Because Abraham has been walking with God. He knows God's heart. He trusts God. He believes in God. He knows that God's mercies run deep. Will God literally just sweep away these cities? Like, will you sweep away righteousness along with the wicked? Now, if you know the story, ultimately, the cities were destroyed. And for now, what you need to know is God is the judge of the earth. He is absolutely 100% right in bringing this judgment. So in Genesis, we're, we're in Genesis 18, 18 chapters into the Bible, we see themes of righteousness and wickedness, justice and judgment. And then in the middle of these narratives, we have this, this couple, this believing couple, and they're called Abraham and Sarah, and, and they believe, they are blessed, they are blessed for a purpose. And so the themes of calling, righteousness, and purpose. They continue to show up throughout the Bible. Abraham and Sarah's family gets really big. Eventually, they're called Israel, the people, the nation of Israel. But here's the thing. They have a really hard time at doing what God calls them to do. Many, 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 many years later, this nation, this big family, actually ends up in exile. All right? That's not good. <laughs> A whole nation in exile. Can you imagine? Let's just pick on Delaware. Can you imagine just picking up Delaware and saying, hey, you're going to go to Wyoming for a while? The whole state. Like, that's wild. A whole nation is in exile. But even in exile, even in despair, God still speaks words of calling uh, and, and purpose, righteousness. He's, he's putting these callings over them. And so we're going to jump to Isaiah chapter 42. We're going to take a look at some prophetic literature today. Perhaps if the narratives aren't wrestling with you or, or whatnot, maybe, maybe the prophetic literature uh, the Spirit will, will kind of pull something out here. Isaiah chapter 42. What's going on here is we have some songs. Okay, the prophetic songs, poems happening here. These are songs about a, a servant. And the identity of the servant, this could be the whole nation of Israel. This specifically could be a remnant of Israel. Or, as we... Go forward, it could be Jesus Christ. So God says, this is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. Okay, do you hear the words of identity and calling and empowerment here? Purpose. 
And then I just want to walk through this quickly, the next couple. The servant won't be uh, loud or obnoxious carrying out his mission. The servant will be tender towards vulnerable situations. The servant uh, will be a person of hope who, who also just faithfully brings justice and restoration. The servant won't give up or be discouraged. The servant knows that God's purposes are global. God's justice is for the whole world. The trajectory is for the whole world. And someday, even the far off places, they're going to wait for the instruction of the Lord. Verse 5, God is creator. This is what the Lord says. The God who created the heavens and stretched them out, uh, who spread out the earth and what comes from it. The God who gives breath to people. The God who, who gives spirit. This is what God says. Ready for it? I am the Lord. I have called you for a righteous purpose. I have called you for a righteous purpose. Yes, that's where the sermon title comes from. God is speaking over the people of God. His, his followers, his worshipers. I've called you for a righteous purpose and I will hold your hand. I will watch over you. I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations. And there's more. This identity statement. A lighthouse identity. You're going to be a lighthouse in order to open blind eyes. To bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name. And I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. The past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. God is up to something new. God has future blessings coming. And in case you missed it, the big scope of God's saving mission, God's purpose here, is to save all of the nations. He is mighty to save the whole world. And ultimately, I believe this servant song does apply to Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the one who can do this. Jesus is pure. He lives in covenant fidelity. He really is the righteous one. And this is why when we get to the, to the New Testament, in the gospel accounts, Jesus is going to be baptized by John and John protests. John the baptizer, he's a cousin of John. He had a prophetic ministry, the forerunner of, of Jesus, a renewal movement that was happening out in, in the wilds there. And this is what he was up to. John the baptizer was calling people to repentance. And he, he repentance means to, to turn back to God. Hey, make, make a turn. Come on back home. Make that turn. Repentance. And then he would baptize them. Now this baptism, it imitated a conversion baptism. So if you were a Gentile and you wanted to be a practicing Jew, so to speak, you know, if you wanted to enter Judaism, part of that process included a ritual washing. You, you were baptized into the faith. John's message would have sounded like this. 
Everyone needs to be converted. Okay, just because you're related to the family, just because you're related to Abraham and and Sarah doesn't mean you're right with God. As we've been discussing, God has a righteous purpose. God wants to bless the nations. God wants to be known by the nations. God wants light and debts canceled and liberation for the world. God just has so much good and beautiful things that he just dreams and desires for this world. And Israel, Abraham and Sarah's big family, they just really botched at being a blessing. But then here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. The righteous one, we believe that he was sinless. He lived in covenant fidelity perfectly. And he shows up and he wants to be baptized. Jesus submits to baptism. He doesn't need a baptism of repentance. Right? But Jesus says this. This is the way. This is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. This is how we, this is how we do it. This is how we fulfill all righteousness. Now, what's happening here? Well, I think two main things. I think Jesus is identifying with God's righteous mission, God's redemptive mission. Jesus is going to accomplish God's saving mission. This is how it happens. This is how we fulfill righteousness. This is how we make right, rightness available again. But then also this baptism, this is a way that Jesus shows solidarity with the people. He's identifying with their calling, their identity, their purpose, their mission of, of, of keeping God's ways and trying to do what is right and just. This, this whole big story. Jesus is immersing himself in all of that. He is the new Israel. And so when Jesus was, was baptized. He went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said. This is my beloved son with whom I am well Pleased. This does echo Isaiah 42, verse 1. But Jesus, he hears the voice of Father speaking over him. The Holy Spirit comes and descends like a dove and powers Jesus. He hears Heavenly Dad's voice, you're my son. I love you. And I'm well pleased. Already, you know, Jesus hasn't he hasn't done anything yet in terms of like his, his earthly ministry. But it's like, yeah, I love you. You're my son. God is up to something new. And now it's found in the person and work of Jesus. The calling, the righteousness, the purpose, it all runs through the life of Jesus. Now that's great for Jesus. But what about Cam? What about you? What about us? All right, what's, what's the good news for us? It's like, that's great. Jesus is that one guy who did it right and well. That's great, Jesus. What about us? 
Well, just as Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness, now, now the invitation is to believe in Jesus. Jesus is where and who our righteousness comes from. Bouncing to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Jesus is the only righteous one. He knew no sin. He became sin so that we might become in him the righteousness of God. If anyone is in Christ, they are new creation. The old has passed away and behold, new has come. God is indeed up to something new. God is all about new. And and based on God's judgment... We deserve to be counted with Sodom and Gomorrah. But based on God's grace and mercy and love in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are counted as righteous. And this is the power of of the gospel. If you believe Jesus' righteousness is given to you. Whatever is on your tab, it's erased. Jesus' righteousness is put there and said it's credited to you. In Christ, you have right standing with God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a blessing? That in Christ, even if you fall and you fail and you stumble so bad and you go just so down and low, you're already covered in Christ. God sees righteousness. And we don't deserve that. That's why we call it grace. That's why we call it amazing grace. And there's more good news because you can't divorce blessing and purpose. There's power in the gospel. There's purpose in the gospel. When we come to Jesus Christ, when, when we are Christian, and we know we like, man, yes, absolutely. We're saved. We're here. Let's do it. We don't just get right standing with God. The same thing that Jesus has. We also get his story. We get his spirit. We get his grand purposes, his redemptive task, his light. We get to seek out what is just. We get to be a person of good news who's empowered to serve others. And just as Jesus submitted to the waters of baptism, now you are invited to submit to the calling, to the story, to to the righteous purpose that God has for you. You are called for a righteous purpose. If you are in Christ, you cannot escape calling. You're chosen. You're elected. You know where the bread and water is. You are a representative. In Christ, you are called for a purpose. Your your own self-righteousness doesn't define you. It doesn't save you. Your past doesn't define you. Your titles, your prestige, your performance, whatever roles you have in life, doesn't define you. Jesus has already fulfilled the most ultimate calling and righteous purpose in the entire universe. It's all about Jesus and what he has accomplished for you on our behalf. 
And the key is, if we're able to believe that, if we're able to, to believe, to really take God at his word, that Jesus has this covered, and we have right standing with God, if we're really able to believe that, then in all areas of, of life, the more we understand and believe who Jesus is and what he's done, the more we understand who we are and our own gospel identity, our own gospel calling, the more we believe, the more we have faith and trust and we rest in this. Our minds change. Our perspectives change. We're transformed. We're renewed. We are new creation. We live life more freely. Belief yields rightness. And more and more, we get to be tangible expressions of this good news. Of this new creation freedom. More and more, we can demonstrate the blessings of God to the world around us. You are called for a righteous purpose. So what is that for you? And some of you, you might be thinking, well, I'm still trying to figure that out. That's a great place to be. Calling. God's purposes for you. There's, there's like universal purposes that, that we all identify with, but each one of us here has like a unique calling, a unique mission, purpose. God dreams for us. And if it feels like a tall order, we can go back to scripture and be reminded that when God says that he has a righteous purpose for you, he also holds out his hand and he says, I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to hold your hand, child. I'm going to watch over you. Step out in belief. Let's do this together. Because you're not meant to be alone. We get to live life with God and then with each other in community. So as we try to understand our calling and live that out, we continue to do the basics and the foundations. We, we love God and we love people. We, we keep trying to love God. And, and we know that in all things, God is working for our good. He's working for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose. And so what calling has God placed upon your life? How do you want to answer that, that call? How do you want to grow into that call this year? What areas of life do you want to believe in more fully? What areas of life really need more belief, trust, faith in the God who loves you, who's pleased with you, and calls you his child. Great reflections and things to think about. Always here to chat if you need it. Send me an email, text, phone call. I'd love to talk about your story, your calling. Let's pray.